Good afternoon. I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. The Philippines bracing for another powerful storm, which will hit areas still reeling from recent cyclones. Let's bring in Pagasa weather forecaster Chris Perez for the latest on tropical storm Ulysses. Chris, what else can you tell us? Uh, good afternoon, Garmina. So far, uh, tropical storm Ulysses continues to move closer towards the landmass of the country, and at the moment, Although its center is still far from the landmass, but its outer periphery is expected to affect certain areas over the southern Luzon and Visayas area today. We have warning signal number one hoisted over the provinces of Catanduanes, Camarines North and Camarines Sur, Albay, Sorsogon, the eastern portion of Masbate, including Tika and Burias Island, the southern portion of Quezon, the northern portion of Samar, the northern portion of uh, uh, eastern Samar, and over northern Samar. These areas are expected to experience rains and occasional gusty winds today. Now, as uh, Ulysses is expected to move closer towards the landmass of the country within uh, 24 to 48 hours, expect more areas to be included to the list of the areas with warning signals as well as expect higher warning signals to be hoisted. If Ulysses continues to move westward within the next 48 hours, we are expecting this one to be almost near the vicinity of Catanduanes tomorrow afternoon and over uh, almost near the vicinity of the Camarines Norte by tomorrow evening. Now, the center of uh, Ulysses is expected to make landfall over the Quezon province by Thursday. However, uh, the movement may still change. That is why we will continue to monitor and provide six-hourly updates about Ulysses. The next weather bulletin will be issued at 5 p.m. this afternoon. And that's the latest here at Pagasa Weather Forecasting Center. I'm Chris Perez reporting for ANC. A major breakthrough in the race for a COVID-19 vaccine, Pfizer and its German partners say their experimental vaccine is proving to be more than 90% effective in preventing the deadly novel coronavirus. This report gives us details. It is a, a great day for science. It is a great day for humanity. Pharmaceutical giant Pfizer says that its experimental coronavirus vaccine is more than 90% effective. That's based on initial data from a large study. It will mark a major victory in the fight against a pandemic that's killed over one million people, roiled the world's economy and upended daily life. Pfizer and its German partner BioNTech are the first drug makers to show successful data from a large-scale clinical trial of a coronavirus vaccine. The companies say they've so far found no serious safety concerns and expect to seek authorization for emergency use in the United States later this month. If authorised, the number of vaccine doses will initially be limited. Many questions also remain, including how long the vaccine will provide protection. However, the news provides hope that other vaccines in development against the novel coronavirus may also prove effective. Pfizer said the interim analysis was conducted after 94 participants in the trial developed COVID-19, examining how many of them received the vaccine versus a placebo. The data have yet to be peer-reviewed or published in a medical journal. Pfizer said it would do so once it has results from the entire trial. Pfizer and BioNTech have a $1.95 billion contract with the US government to deliver 100 million vaccine doses beginning this year. 
They've also reached supply agreements with the European Union, the UK, Canada and Japan. We believe uh, we should be able to have up to 50 million this year, 1.3 billion next year, aware that uh, the demand will be much higher than anything we can produce. We are also looking right now to see if uh, there are other ways, thinking out of the box, that we increase even further the manufacturing capacity. Now, we're speaking about 1,000 people dying in the US every day, right? So uh, there's no time to be lost here. Shares of Pfizer surged as much as 15 percent, while BioNTech shares soared as much as 25 percent following news about their vaccine. On Twitter, the chief of the World Health Organization also welcomed the latest development in the COVID-19 vaccine front, describing it as encouraging news. Meanwhile, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson warns against relying on Pfizer's early coronavirus vaccine data as a solution to the whole pandemic. England is currently under a month-long national lockdown, while Wales just emerged from a two-week shutdown amid rising COVID-19 cases in Europe. Johnson says the UK will only begin to distribute Pfizer's vaccine once it passes all safety checks and is proven to be effective. We haven't yet seen the full safety data and these findings also need to be peer reviewed. So we've cleared one significant hurdle but there are several more to go before we know the vaccine can be used. What I can say is that if and when this vaccine is approved we in this country will be ready to start using it. Earlier this year the UK government ordered 40 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine, enough for about a third of the population, since you need two doses each. And that puts us towards the front of the international pack on a per capita basis. Here at home, Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine will still need regulatory approval from the Philippine government to enter the local market. Philippine Science and Technology Chief Fortunato de la Peña explains vaccine experts in the country will need to verify Pfizer's claim of effectivity and safety. Kung uh, sila ay uh, magsasagawa ng clinical trials dito sa atin, eh dadaan sigurado sa ating vaccine expert panel yung kanilang datos na nag-gather at uh, doon mabe-verify kasi yung 90% na in-announce nila eh sila ang nag-announce, hindi naman natin paalam ang detalye, hindi natin alam yung data na nagsusuporta diyan. Uh, kung makakaroon ng trials dito, doon natin mabe-verify. Ngayon, kung hindi naman sila magsasagawa ng trials at uh, didiretso sila ng application sa FDA uh, for supply purposes, I doubt whether we will uh, uh, follow the emergency uh, tra- ano, emergency approvals kung hindi naman dito ginawa yung trials. U.S. President-elect Joe Biden convenes his pandemic tax task force as the U.S. becomes the first country in the world to hit 10 million COVID-19 cases. The 13-member task force will be headed by former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, former Food and Drug Administration Commissioner David Kessler, and Yale University healthcare expert Marcella Nunez-Smith. And like incumbent U.S. President Donald Trump, who repeatedly claimed a COVID-19 vaccine would be available even before the elections, Biden warned America is still facing a dark winter ahead. The bottom line 
I will spare no effort to turn this pandemic around once we're sworn in on January 20th, to get our kids back to school safely, our businesses growing, and our economy running at full speed again, and to get an approved vaccine manufactured and distributed as quickly as possible to as many, Ameri as, to as many Americans as possible, free of charge. We'll follow the science. We'll follow the science. Let me say that again. And we'll adjust to new data when it comes in. I implore you, wear a mask. Do it for yourself. Do it for your neighbor. A mask is not a political statement, but it is a good way to start pulling the country together. Ukraine's president will work in self-isolation after testing positive for the novel coronavirus. On Twitter, 42-year-old President Volodymyr Zelensky said he felt good and was taking a lot of vitamins. The surge in Ukraine's cases in late summer had put the country's underpaid doctors and under-equipped hospitals under severe pressure. On Monday, Ukraine reported over 8,000 new COVID-19 cases and 115 more deaths. Back here at home, Cebu City cancelled several Sinulog activities amid the pandemic. The Cebu City government and the Basilica Menore del Santo Nino said they've decided to simplify next year's celebration of the Sinulog Festival. Some processions will no longer push through and to avoid mass gatherings. Sinulog is the most, is make that the famous event held in honor of the Santo Nino or the Holy Infant Jesus every January. Aside from the traditional procession, and Catholic masses. It also features street parties and concerts, making it one of the country's biggest tourism draws. Over 7,000 hotels and resorts in different parts of the country have now been authorized to operate. The Tourism Department says around 1,300 of these hotels are from Region 4A or the Calabarzon region. Over 800 are in Region 3 and another 800 in Region 1. They're under different quarantine classifications and will cater to various types of travelers. Tourism Secretary Bernadette Romulo Puyat vouched for the safety of the hotels, saying they've undergone globally recognized health and safety protocols. The opening of establishments comes as several tourist destinations opened up in recent months. In business, the Philippine economy falls for a third straight quarter. Authorities report third quarter growth saw a contraction of 11.5 percent due to a drop in services, household consumption, construction and manufacturing amid the pandemic. The agriculture sector, meanwhile, remains one of the few bright spots in the economy. The latest GDP print is narrower than the 16.9 percent re recorded in the second quarter. Acting Socioeconomic Planning Secretary Carl Chua says the country's economic team is confident the worst is over. He also calls on Congress to pass spending bills necessary for the country to recover. These include the 2021 budget and tax reform measures. The path is clearer to a stronger bounce back in 2021. The double-digit contraction in the third quarter is not surprising given the return to more stringent quarantine measures in NCR and neighboring provinces and Cebu City, which together account for around 60% of the Philippine economy. 
the 2021 budget will provide us with some of the heftiest tools necessary to rebuild our economy. The timely passage of this bill is crucial in helping attain the 6.5 to 7.5 GDP growth target for next year. A delay in the passage of the budget will be detrimental to the economy and our recovery. Each day of delay will result in 1.1 billion pesos not spent. As it stands, the Philippine economy has already contracted by 10% for the first nine months of 2020, squashing the government's earlier forecast of a 5.5% slump by year-end. Nicholas Mapa, senior economist at ING Bank Manila, believes it's time for the Duterte administration to step up its spending to plug the gaps in the country's consumption-driven economy. The only economic agent at this moment that has the ability to um, come up with spending in the big way is government. I mean, we, mm. we can't expect consumers to come in and save the day. Um, they don't have jobs. I mean, unemployment is very high. The, the overall sentiment is very negative. We're in November. This is supposed to be the Christmas rush. Um, malls are supposed to be full. Not happening this year, unfortunately. Philippine National Police Chief Camilo Cascolan set to step down today as he reaches his mandatory retirement age. Taking his place is Metro Manila Police Chief Debold Sinas, whose appointment has raised eyebrows due to allegations of human rights abuses and his violation of pandemic restrictions for holding a birthday feast at the height of one of the world's strictest lockdowns. Cascolan says despite some shortcomings, Sinas has actually done some good to the community too. He hopes his successor will be able to continue what he started in the PNP. They are in place already and they're doing their job well. Uh, I know that um, the next GMP will also exercise his wisdom mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, placement and promotion mm -hmm. of uh, people mm -hmm. that we really want to serve for us. There are a lot of questions when it comes to uh, reshuffling. It's, it's a common term. It's uh, common to all leaders who uh, actually are new. But we know, we know that uh, these people are working and uh, I just hope, I just hope that he would be able to uh, um, retain those who are deserving, uh, deserving PNP personnel, mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, efficient mm -mm. and effective. For Senator Risa Ontiveros, President Duterte could have made a more meritorious choice in selecting his next police chief. The lawmaker also revealed Congress is working on fixing the system, which forces an early retirement age for military and police officials. Revolving door policy, at least in the armed forces, uh, they are beginning to address that. May nakasalang kaming ilang mga panukalang batas sa kongreso. To address that, no, and trying to provide a more strategic yes. uh, tenure, no, para sa ganyang mga importanting leadership. And I think as an institution, ang PNP then deserves mm. um, and should be given all the opportunity na mm. more and more a meritocracy. Mm. Lalo na sa panahon ngayon, we're facing not just health and economic crisis, but a democracy uh, crisis as well. And I suppose yung uh, security of tenure uh, para sa isang chief PNP uh, would be something very good uh, to consider. 
President Duterte gave more than 40 immigration personnel tagged in the so-called Pastillas Airport bribery scheme a dressing down during a meeting in Malacanang Monday night. According to Justice Secretary Menardo Guevara, Duterte handed out money rolled in paper just like the Pastillas delicacy to the personnel and dared them to eat the money. Duterte then told them to face the cases filed against them. Guevara says no one among the immigration officials dared say a word. Senator Risa Ontiveros welcomes the filing of cases against the immigration personnel, but she points out the investigation is still far from over. We want the big fish. So uh, this is not uh, over yet. Apparently, nakakuha kami ng uh, update na si uh, Red Marinas ay oh. wala doon sa mga tao ng BI na pinagalitan ni mm. Presidente kagabi oh, oh. sa Malacanang. So yun yung isang malaking tanong sa ngayon no? oh, oh. na si Marinas. Over 80 immigration personnel are facing corruption charges or corruption complaints over the bribery scheme, which benefited hundreds of thousands of Chinese nationals. They allegedly pay immigration personnel as well as travel agencies about 10,000 pesos each. A radio commentator in Pangasinan was gunned down this morning. Elaine Fulhensho is on the line with that story. Elaine, what else can you tell us? Carmina broadcast and writer at the local newspaper and identified assailants as he was about to return to his residence in this morning. Police identified the victim as Virgilio Maganes, a freelance radio commentator and a writer at the local paper Northern Watch. Based on the initial this morning, upon his return to their compound after going to a nearby store. According to eyewitnesses, the suspects were wearing black jackets. Police have yet to determine the motive and will create special investigation tasks with Maganes for the immediate solution of the case. Maganes survived an ambush in 2016. The National Union of Journalists of the Philippines condemns the murder of Pangasinan broadcaster Virgilio Maganes. In a statement, the group says Maganes' case happened just a week after the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. The NUJP said, in a failed assassination attempt in 2016, Armaganis played dead. The gunman placed a cardboard sign on his body claiming he was a drug pusher to mask the real motive behind the crime. Maganis is the 18th journalist to be murdered during the Duterte administration and the 190th since 1986. That's the latest news here in Pangasinan. Yes, Karen, were you able to talk to members of his family? Fermina, the family of Maganis, opted not to give any statements yet and asked for a privacy to warn. Do we know uh, the story that he was working on prior to his assassination, Karen? I'm sorry, Elaine? Yes. Fermina, the police are still investigating about uh, the recent um, stories that uh, this uh, radio commentator is working on. And um, they have been uh, asking the families if Maganes received any death threats prior to the incident. Mm. And uh, anything anything out of the ordinary as well prior to um, when he was gunned down? Do you have any leads on that, Elaine? Carmina, the police are still investigating the case, and then they're trying to reach out to the family and asking them um, if they've noticed any people or... 
uh, any riding in tandem rooming around Magana's place. Okay, definitely the story is still evolving. We'd like to thank you, Elaine Fulhensha there, our correspondent, uh, keeping us up to speed on what has been happening so far after a radio commentator was gunned down in Pangasinan. Um, we're going to give you more details in our succeeding newscast. And that'll do it for today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Play back the interviews too on ANC's YouTube channel. Keep safe, everyone, as you keep it here on ANC.